Matthew 15, we'll look at verse 18. And let's all stand. Matthew 15, 18. Verse 18 says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Let's pray. Lord, this evening... Would it be you that speaks through me, and I pray that you would uh, honor the reading of your word, you would bless the reading of your word, and everything that is uh, said, may it honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So from the text that we just read, we get the idea that out of the heart proceeds thefts, murders, adulteries, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. These are the things that defile a man. I believe our heart plays a vital role in our relationship with God. I believe it so much that if you search the scriptures, you'll see that God really does take concern over our hearts. God takes concern over our hearts. It does matter what you say. It does matter what you do. It does matter what you think. It does matter to God what you allow to come out of your heart and what you allow into your heart. Let's look at verse 19. Again, verse 19. For out of the, when I pause, you say the next word. When I pause, you say the next word. For out of the proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Verse 20, these are the things which defile a man. It doesn't matter what you say, what you do, what you think, the intents and motives of your heart. God does care about this. So what I want to do, I want to take you on a little journey, beginning with Genesis. Trust me, we're not going to go through the entire book of Genesis to Revelation, but I want us to look at the natural inclination of man's heart. So let's take a dive into Scripture, beginning with Genesis chapter 6. Turn there. What is the natural inclination of man's heart? We're going to find out. Find out in verse 6 of chapter 5. Verse 6. Excuse me, verse 5 of chapter 6. So Genesis chapter 6, please. Again, when I pause, you say the next word. Genesis 6, 5. Let's do verse 4 as a backdrop. Verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became, became many mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his was only evil continually. God says that our heart is only evil continually. Did you read that? Only evil continually. Let's continue reading down. Verse 11 of the same chapter. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. 
And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So I wonder, by these verses, what we've just read, what is God trying to say to us? I wonder what God is trying to relate to us. What do you think so far is the natural inclination of man? If God is ready to destroy the earth, and he will by flood, what is man's heart? What is man's heart? Let's keep going. Chapter 8 of Genesis. Chapter 8 of Genesis. Chapter 8. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 of chapter 8 in Genesis. And the Lord smelled the sweet savor. And the Lord said in his And the Lord said in his I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither again will I smite anymore every living thing as I have done. You have heard it straight from Jehovah. You have heard it straight from God's mouth that our heart is evil. Our heart's natural inclination is toward evil. We all know this verse. I'll say it. You don't need to turn there. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Are we getting the idea that the heart is evil? Are we getting the idea that because of our heart, because of the violence that was in the earth, God destroyed the world. God destroyed all of mankind, every living, breathing thing, because of this thing, because of this thing here. One Bible commentator put it this way, The heart of man is evil and wicked, desperately wicked. Yea, wickedness itself, a fountain of iniquity, out of which abundance of evil flows, by which it may be known in some measure what is in it and how wicked it is. But God, that sees it, only knows perfectly all the wickedness of it and the evil that is in it. The thoughts of his heart are evil. Evil thoughts are formed in the heart and proceed from it. They are vain, foolish, sinful, and abominable in the sight of God, by whom they are seen, known, and understood afar off. Your heart is evil. Your heart is wicked, as my heart is. This is our heart. So, with this backdrop, what are we supposed to do this information? Yes, we know our heart is evil. Yes, we know we're wicked. Yes, we know we're sinful. And here's the pivot point in the message. And so, based upon this next statement, I'll say it will kind of be the foundation for our message. The condition of our heart will impact our relationship with God and with others. The condition of our heart will impact our relationship with God and with others. To further this truth, I want us to take a journey into Psalm 78. Now, Psalm 78, turn there. We're going to read this lengthy passage. You'll find a blessing out of reading this entire passage. Trust me, God's word is profitable. In the Old Testament, New Testament, God's word will speak to your heart, convict your heart. And guess what? God's word will change your heart. I love this portion of scripture because it is a constant reminder to me that when I grow cold towards God and others, God and others, I know exactly where to look to. I know exactly where to look to. 
All right. We're going to read not the entire chapter, but I love this. I love this. I'm, I may have used this same chapter in messages in past. Reason being that this, this is that good. This is that good. I know we've used it in our teen class on Sunday school at some point. Psalm 78. Let's begin at verse 1. And when I pause, you say the next word. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the children to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their, gener- to their children. Look at verse 9. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime, he also led them with a cloud, and, also, and, and all the night with a fire, light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as, out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. They sinned yet more against him, the Lord, by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their They tempted God in their heart. I wonder, hmm. By asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God and said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore, the Lord, the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel. Pause right there. You're going to find that God, during the wilderness, during the Red Sea parting, during the time in Egypt, God is a faithful and loving God. God is a merciful God. God is ready to forgive. God is full of compassion. God will pardon the sinner. God will pardon his people. Israel, though, you see in this this chapter, is rebelling and stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Israel and God, God is always there for Israel. Israel is always provide for me and then get out of my face. Wow. Let's keep going. Verse 22. Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust, and feathered fowls fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp, run about their habitations. So they did eat and were well filled, for he gave them of their own desire. They were not estranged from their lusts, but while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. Pause. Destruction. Judgment came. You would think that a group of people, that this judgment would change their heart. You think that this would turn their heart away. 
to the, back to God. You would think this would happen, right? You'd think their heart would finally understand. But as we read in Genesis, the heart, the mind, continually evil. That's why God destroyed the world. Only evil continually. Only evil continually. So, you think Israel would learn. Let's read verse 32 then. For all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore, their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. When he slew them, they sought him and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God, their redeemer. Pause. So now they remember God, right? They remember him. They want to go back. They want to seek him early. They want to be pleasing to God now, right? No. No. Look at verse 36. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. Pause. Look up here. The next verse, we're going to find the reason. Remember what I said earlier. The condition of our heart will impact our relationship with God and others. Okay? Now let's look at verse 37. For their was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Their heart, their heart, their heart was not right. Their heart was not right. So, problems, situations that come up and they're evil, circumstances that prevent us from doing the right thing. Where do we look for them? In the air? Towards other people? You can turn and point the finger to yourself. The reason why you have problems with God, the reasons why you have problems with people, you're going to look to your heart. Okay? Israel, oh God, we love you. Then they depart from God. Then God sends the judgment. And now they return early, seeking after God. Nevertheless, they flattered with their tongues and they mocked the Lord. You see the pattern? It's the heart. Look at the nation of Israel and look how God responded to them. God is concerned over your heart tonight is what I want to get at. God is concerned over your heart. So, does he have your heart? Does he have your heart? Or are you still holding on to your wants? Are you still holding on to your wishes? Or are you still holding on to your desires? Is God more than enough for you? Or would you still like to build a golden calf? Would you still like to erect a calf and worship at the calf. Where is your heart tonight? So who is more important in your life? God and his will or your sinful, selfish heart? Let's see one more example in the Old Testament. Turn to First Kings. The heart. The heart is what I want to get at. The heart. Is your heart right? We're going to see that the heart takes many facets, not just my relationship with God. We're also going to see that my heart plays a, really, uh, a role with our brother. First Kings, chapter 11, please. Before we continue with this portion of Scripture, go back home. I did not give you this verse. Maybe you looked ahead at it. But back in Psalm 78, you read the next verse down in verse 38. You are just going to worship the Lord and be in awe in his presence 
when you read verse 38. I had you turn to the next portion of scripture so you can't cheat and look. But when you go home, that's your homework. Verse 38. Look at the uh, mercy and awesomeness of God in verse 38, Psalm 78. Don't turn there because now we're in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 11, chapter 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidionin. Zidionin. How do you say that, Pastor? Thank you, sir. Zidonians and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their God. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart. Are you getting the picture? Do you get it? And his Oh, his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of, of David his father. Uh, continuing down, for Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Zidian, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and, not, and went not fully after the Lord as David his father. So here's the problem, your heart. Here's my problem, my heart. All right. You see what happened there? His heart got turned away. He let his heart determine his impact on God and others. So, the message is going to come down to us now, soon. Let's get down to it. How are you letting your sinful heart affect your relationship with God? Let's add this. I alluded to it earlier. How are you letting your heart impact your relationship with your brother, with your sister in the Lord? Is your heart right towards your brother in the Lord? Is your heart right towards your sister in the Lord? God sees the heart and he will uh, weigh it. How often we let our heart get in the way of our relationship with God. And we must understand that God wants to bless us. But we in our hearts, we say no. We say no. You know what prevented the blessings of Israel? Their heart. You know what prevented King Saul from ascending the throne? Take a guess. You know what prevented King Solomon from experiencing a good end? Sorry. Now to you, Christian. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Pastor... Use this verse earlier, Proverbs chapter 4. Keep or guard thy heart with all diligence, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The heart, the center and seed of all of our will, emotions, desires. Volition, how are you keeping your heart? How good are you at keeping your heart, keeping a guard around your heart? How are you making sure that your relationship with your brother is right? Why do we need to make sure that our heart is right towards our brother and towards our sister? Well, 
Let's look to scripture. Please turn to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read another lengthy portion of scripture, but this is important to see God is concerned without a doubt, definitively about our heart. He does care. You know what the problem is? We don't care. That's our problem. God cares, and we'll see here in this portion of Scripture, that he does care. As a matter of fact, he uses the word, if ye from your heart, verbatim, God cares. So, Matthew chapter 18, verse 22. So, in the realm of our brother and sister in Christ, let's look to what Jesus said. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Till seven times? Is there a limit on how often I should forgive him? Is there a limit? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Pause. This is unpayable debt. He cannot pay this debt whatsoever. I don't know the some amount, but it's innumerable. Put it that way. It's a debt. It's a debt that we cannot pay. It's a debt that this uh, person cannot pay. He cannot pay this debt. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and saying, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt, all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. Look at me. You see what's going on here. I want you to put yourself into the, the servant's uh, place. I want you to grab that person by the throat. Those of you that have irreconcilable relational differences, relational problems, that's what you're doing to your sister or to your brother. You're grabbing them by the throat. Okay? Let's look at the next verse. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. When I pause, you say the word, if ye from your... Forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Whoa, so you mean to tell me I can't just say something on the outward and be all right? Yes, yes, that's what that means. You can't just be fake about it. You can't just flippantly say I'm sorry and go about your day. Let's read that again. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts. It's from your heart. It's from your heart. When are you going to give God your heart? Do you even want to give God your heart? Or do you want to be a fake Christian? What do you want to be? I want to be a real Christian. 
Lord, help me to be a real Christian. From your hearts. When will you give God your heart? We as Bible believers are very good at obeying other portions of Scripture. And yet Jesus said, if you can't forgive from your heart, and not through your mind and how you can justify your sinful actions, but through your heart, through your heart, through your heart. When will you give God your heart? When will you apologize from your heart? Neither will God forgive you of your trespasses. What do you mean, God's not to forgive me? Oh, that's right. Matthew 6.15 says this, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It needs to come from your heart. You want revival? We say revival all day long, but if you're not going to get right with your brother, you're not going to find revival here. How about your heart regarding your relationship with God? Ephesians chapter 5. Turn there. Ephesians chapter 5. Do you want to obey the Lord? Do you want to serve the Lord? Do you want to love the Lord? Then give him your heart. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Look at verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Christ wants to give you light. If your heart is cold... Ask God to revive your heart. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? The reason why we have no revival, folks, is because there are so many church members that have a cold heart. Christ says here, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Awake. Awake. Our heart has become cold and we've allowed it to become that way. We've said no to brother so-and-so. We've said no to sister so-and-so. We've said no to God. I will not do that. I don't want to do that. Don't ask me again, Lord. And then God says, all right, you don't want any of me? Then I'm going to pull away. But at any moment's notice. That's why when you go back to Psalm 78, read verse 38. Psalm 78, 38. Read that. Not now, though. Not now. Let's keep going. Turn to Psalms 81. Psalms 81. Psalms 81. I want my heart to be tender and warm. This is what I am trying to relate to you. I didn't even tell you the title of my message because I don't know what the title of my message is right now. Here's the title of my message. God just wants your heart. God just wants your heart. Where did I tell you to go? Psalm 81, verse 10. Psalm. Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up to their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. So... We choose to disobey God. We choose to not regard God. We choose to not want God. God pulls his hands away. And he gives you over to 
what you want to do. You don't want to go soul winning? Go for that. That's fine. Go do what you want to do. You don't want to read the scriptures? Go do what you want to do. Last verse there, verse 13. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. Now, I know this is in reference and context to Israel, but to make an application, God does care what goes on in your heart as a Christian, New Testament Christian, local church Christian. He does care. It's not like we can take the portion of Scripture and rip it out because it's Old Testament and it's not profitable for us. It is profitable for us because of what 1 Timothy 3.16 says, for all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, uh, rebuke, instruction, uh, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay? Um, all scripture is good for us. So, I am on my last page of notes. And so, here's how I want to end the message. How do we obtain a clean heart and obtain a right relationship with God and with others? How... Does revival start? Well, it starts by us getting right with the Lord, and it starts by getting right with our brothers. How do we get? How do how do we clean this heart? How do we make sure that this heart is right with God and with others? Paul said, "I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense before God and man." God and man. Remember what I said earlier: the condition of our heart will impact our relationship with God and with others. Okay. Um. Come clean. Come clean. If you want a heart that's right before the Lord, come clean. Be honest. Be transparent. And do you really want revival? If you do, then don't just talk about it. Be about it. Alright? It's very simple. Come clean. Come transparent. Just be honest with the Lord. That's not hard. What's hard is saying that we are sinners, and that we have an evil heart. That's what's difficult. What's difficult is actually getting on our faces. What's difficult is getting on our knees. What's difficult is actually putting the feet to what we say. So don't just talk about it, but be about it. Is Christ enough for you to want revival? So, James, chapter 4, provides a little step-by-step process on how to have a clean heart. So let's turn there in James chapter 4. Just come clean. Just be honest. Don't tell me that you want revival and yet you hate your brother. Because if you don't forgive men their trespasses, God will not forgive you of your trespasses. Now again, I did not say that. The Lord said that. So that means you're not obeying Pastor Mike. You're obeying the Lord. Remember that. James chapter 4, verse 8. How do we start the process of having a clean heart? I gotta ask you, do you want a clean heart? Do you? Or are you okay as a lukewarm, dead, cold Christian? Are you okay as a lukewarm, dead church member? There was another message that I was gonna give, but I, uh, the Lord changed directions on me. The other message I was going to give was, um, why we have no revival. Part of that, was because we have so many dead church members. Part of it is why we have so many deceived church members. Part of it is because we have so many disobedient church members. Part of that is because we have so many defiled church members involving themselves in sin, enjoying sin, covering sin up, making ourselves look nice on the outside. 
But James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. You know, pause, look up here. Look up here. I wonder why that's there. Speak evil, not evil, of one another, brethren. I wonder if our relationship with others has to do something with our heart and our relationship with God in reference to my earlier statement. Let's read it. Speak not evil one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art no, not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? I like how James ties that last couple of verses. Signifying that we will not have a heart that is for the Lord if we're not right with our brother. For those of you who say, yeah, I don't care if I'm ever reconciled with, my, with brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. I'm sorry if you have that mentality. Fix that mentality. Why should you fix that mentality? Well, look at verse 6 of James. Here's the reason why. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. That's why you should care about reconciling with brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. That's why you ought to be concerned with your relationship to God. Is it clean? Is it pure? Have you confessed your sins? I don't know about you, but I want to have a clean heart and clean conscience before God and before man, just as Paul exercised. So how do we get that clean heart that is right before the Lord? Confess, repent, forsake, and grow. Confess your sins. Repent of the wrongdoing that you know is evil. Repent. Change your mind. Confession of sin. I am guilty of this. So what I'm telling you is what I'm guilty of. I'm guilty of saying, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Please wash me and cleanse me. And done. I'm guilty of that. So let's turn to First John chapter 1. And let's see what confession is. What is confession? First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1, verse 9. As a backdrop, we'll start at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. So look up at here at me. Confession is not, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Confession is, Lord, I did this wrong in your sight. I understand and realize this is wrong in your sight. I agree with you that what I did was wrong. Confession is just agreement with God. What you did was wrong. Would you forgive me for offending brother? Would you forgive me for offending you? Would you forgive me for grieving the Holy Spirit? Confession. If you want to find forgiveness, you must agree with God that what you did was wrong. 
So, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. So once we have done our part, God does his part in cleansing us and forgiving us. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not just sins forgiven, but it's just a body, mind, cleansing, spiritual cleansing from God. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I love that verse. I love that verse. So confess your sins. Not only must you confess your sins, but if you are genuinely sorry, if you are genuinely repentant for what you have done, you have to forsake that. You have to forsake. Proverbs 28:13. Listen to this verse. Really listen, because this verse is just awesome. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins. So let me cover my sins so no one can see them. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Shall have mercy. Shall have mercy. Confess your sins. Repent. Change your mind that the, what you thought was the right thing to do is now the wrong thing and forsake them. Forsake them. Forsake your sins. So, I'm closing. We all know the scriptures here tonight. I'm not saying anything new. I am not bringing to you any new revelation. I did not wake up this morning having perfected this truth. I am just someone who's pointing out a truth that all of us know to do. But in some area of our heart, we are refusing to obey the Lord and to get right with Him and with others. And therefore, forfeit the blessings of God because of our I-don't-care attitude. I-don't-care attitude. You don't care? God cares. What does He do with the proud? He resists them. He's resisting you. He's resisting. If you have that I don't care attitude, will you come tonight to be clean or will you remain a dead, cold church member? Let's pray. Lord, may the words that I have said just uh, resonate with my heart. And Lord, I pray that we would be tender to the condition of our heart, that we would remember the condition of our heart you care about, and that the condition of our heart will impact our relationship with you, Lord, and with others. May our hearts be clean. May we do the right thing. May we confess, repent, forsake, and grow in you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.